Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Welcome to the Torah study. I'm Pastor Scott. Uh, thank you for being faithful and studying the Bible, the Word of God. Uh, we're combining all this Old Testament wisdom from all the Torah portions and weaving in the New Testament revelation. Uh, God wants uh, the old and the new to jointly fit together. One side is the law and the prophets. The other side is the apostles' doctrine. And Yeshua, Jesus, is the cornerstone that brings the two together. How many of you know Jesus and Moses aren't having fist fights in heaven over what they believe? <laughs> right? And so, uh, but the church still is. Uh, and but uh, the Jewishness of the gospel is a real thing, and uh, and so thank God He's brought you here to learn this aspect of things uh, in ancient Jewish wisdom. Uh, uh, it's taught there's seventy facets of Torah. 70 facets, meaning just kind of like when uh, uh, Peter asked, how many times should I forgive him, Lord? Seven? <laughs> how about seven times 70? Uh, right? Meaning, you know, there's just an unlimited wealth of wisdom and knowledge, revelation, and spiritual understanding. Uh, and so never be the guy or the gal that, oh, I already heard that. Be open for the Spirit of the Lord to lead you and guide you. Because sometimes uh, you've advanced in your spirituality and your maturity where it's just subtle things. It's just a subtle difference in your course that makes the... It's not because you're out robbing banks and doing heroin. <laughs> right? It's just the, the, the little things, the little foxes spoil the vine, Ecclesiastes says. So uh, this week we're in uh, Torah study number 38 in Numbers 16 through Numbers 18. And uh, uh, this uh, is the study of Korak, uh, the man who would be king. Uh, and uh, I've uh, entitled today's lesson, How to Guard Yourself Against Deception. How to Guard Yourself Against Deception. And so, uh, as we begin, we're coming out, as you recall last week, uh, we uh, studied on the catastrophe of the sins of the spies that were sent into Israel, the promised land, to spy out the land. Uh, and this week, things snowball into an all-out rebellion against Moses, against Aaron, and even against God himself. Uh, and because the consequences of the sin of the spies, you, you're not going to see the promised land. You dopey people that refuse to believe God and, and uh, believed an evil report, uh, there's some severe consequences for that. Uh, you're missing out on the promised land, yada, yada. But now what happens is this causes turmoil. You know, look, I just missed out. 
I'm a little ticked off about this, right? And so things are going on uh, among the people, uh, and what happens is the situation is ripe for another calamity. Your anger, your murmuring, your complaining, you being disgruntled about things not working out the way you want doesn't set the stage for a miracle from heaven. (laughs) Right? Are we in agreement? Right? It's not God that uses those things to perfect his will. Satan uses those things to make matters worse. All right, give me a big amen. Amen. And so this week, Korak, a man who would be king, takes advantage of the situation because he's got a hidden agenda. And so he begins to publicly accuse Moses of some things, including corruption, uh, because... He sees the situation is right for me to take advantage of it so I can move my hidden agenda of, uh, ahead. Anybody notice some of that happening because of COVID? <laughs> People behind the scenes wanting to advance their uh, hidden agendas while keeping us all locked up and locked out. And then now, a year or two, all the truth is starting to come out on how wrong they were. But they still won't uh, 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 apologize. And Korak didn't apologize. Korak didn't back down. Korak was a cousin of Moses. And Aaron. It was family. How many of you are in a family that has quarrels and squabbles? And usually it's because someone's got an agenda. And it could just be as simple as I'm the only one that's right. I'll always be right. You'll always be wrong. Don't argue with me about it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but Korak had seemingly been passed over uh, for a top leadership role. And this infuriated him. And it infuriated him and it just sat on him and it ate away at at him uh, to the point that he was willing to stage a full-fledged mutiny against God. Right? All under the guise of, I'm here to help you. (laughs) I'm the government. I'm here to help. Oh, really? (laughs) In reality, it was an unrighteous confrontation. Look, if you're ticked off at a leader and you feel like you want to confront that leader, you better tap the brakes (laughs) and make sure that you're not jumping into something unrighteously, right? But Korak wasn't tapping no brakes. (laughs) He was going after Aaron's job, and he was willing to accuse Moses and Aaron of playing favorites. And that rebellion, that attitude of, they're wrong and I'm right, uh, was not only wrong, it was sin. And it cost a lot of good people their lives. And so with that in mind, here's a neat little saying. And when you study Korak, it reminds you, and Korak, too bad he couldn't have reminded himself, that sin always takes you farther than you want to go. 
It keeps you longer than you want to stay. <laughs> and it costs you more than you want to pay. <laughs> Sin. So Korah, filled with jealousy, envy, all this negative stuff, he starts to recruit people. And he is smart enough to know who's carrying grudges. Who are the disgruntled ones? And he finds several hundred uh, discontented souls. And he begins to manipulate their emotions. And he uses them as pawns in his scheme. And they don't even know it. So he uses all this friction, all this chaos created from the fallout of the sin of the spies to disguise his true intentions. And it was all uh, cloaked under the pretense of, look, I'm just a concerned citizen. (laughs) And look, it held some merit because Korak wasn't a nobody, right? He was part of the Moses Aaron family. Uh, The Bible says, and ancient wisdom says, he was very wealthy. And so he had a measure of influence. And he was able to convince good people that he was sincere. Now, he was sincerely wrong. But what he was doing was unrighteous. And uh, But he was able to present himself, look, I'm uniquely qualified here. Really, Pastor Huck doesn't know how to handle this situation. Really, uh, the, the church, they're blowing it in this, that, and the other way. And if we would just get together and begin to pray about that, mm, better watch where you go. You might go down the path of Korak. And uh, we won't get into uh, how the earth opened up and swallowed Korak and all those disgruntled people because God doesn't move in your life because you're disgruntled, because you're discontented, because you're, you have a good complaint. You murmur real good. <laughs> in reality, Korak was interested only in his own personal agenda. And he was willing to deceive whoever would be deceived to satisfy his lust for power. And, and so this is where today how to guard yourself against deception comes in. I encourage you to go back and read Numbers 16 through 18 and study this out on your own. But uh, we're going to make this little pivot this morning to talk about how deception is a key weapon that the enemy uses to kill, steal, and destroy. Deception. It's devious. Deception is shrewd. The devil is a wily adversary. And he's very manipulative. And he knows how to scheme. And he uses his hierarchy of powers and principalities. And he also uses people under demonic influence to move in for the kill. And you don't even know it's coming. People are getting blindsided all the time because they don't know through a spirit of discernment, through a knowledge of the will of God and the word of God, what's right and what's wrong. 
The ones being deceived don't even know they're being played. One of the things I constantly think about, God, don't let me be the last one to know. (laughs) You ever thought about that? You don't want to be the last to know. Uh, And so that con game goes on at all levels, right? And the con man gains the confidence. That's why they call it a confidence game. Uh, They gain your confidence, but you don't realize you're the one being set up. Have you ever seen that uh, TV show, American Greed? I just love watching that show. It just, all the con men, all the fraudulent schemes, usually it revolves around money and people are looking to get rich quick and it sounds so good uh, to be true, uh, but uh, instead of saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably isn't. We forget about that. Uh, God's setting me up for something good here. Uh, Yeah, no, you're being set up, but it ain't by God. And uh, typically the stakes are high, okay? Right? When you're talking about your life savings, oh, if you just invest your life savings into this uh, uh, business that no one's ever heard of it. <laughs> but, but I got the inside track. And a lot of times, you know, they, they might have all the trappings. They're driving a nice Mercedes, a Beamer, and, you know, they're wearing da-da-da, and they, they look the part. But uh, if you just look a little bit deeper and tap the brakes and use some discernment and get with people that are experienced, uh, you might save yourself a lot of grief. Amen? Amen. And so... Uh, look, deception has been around since the Garden of Eden. Satan deceived Eve. Oh, God really didn't say that. He didn't really mean that. He wants you to enjoy everything. So why don't you enjoy that? But I thought that was forbidden. Well, he didn't really mean it that way. Crunch, crunch. Here, Adam. <laughs> so we're supposed to be... Where of the wiles and the strategies of the devil. This is why one hour a week studying the things of God isn't enough for you to accelerate and elevate yourself to the highest levels. Because in the last days, as we'll see, deception is going to increase. And the very elect, Jesus said, would have been deceived had I not come sooner. And so uh, we need to realize that the devil masquerades as what? An angel of light. It seems good on the outside, but it's rotten to the core. And in Korak's case, he was rotten to the core. He didn't start out that way, I'm sure. But somewhere along the line, he opened himself up to demonic influence And it was based on the fact that he didn't resolve his issues. He had grievances. And he allowed the grievances to consume him. Instead of resolving those grievances, he walked around ticked off. He walked around mad. 
He walked around willing to just have an angry spirit. And when you allow an angry spirit or some kind of spirit of revenge or a grievance spirit to come on you, guess what's going to happen? Seven of his buddies are going to eventually make their way into you and things are going to get worse. It distorted Korach. And eventually he used that distortion to distort others. My gosh. You know, the, the crazy thing about it is in the end, all the people that Korah deceived and all the people that died, they were going to gain nothing out of the deal. <laughs> they just took up a grievance. This, people do this all the time. Somebody comes and tells you a grievance that they've experienced. You don't even know the whole story. You're just hearing half the story, but they're mad and they want you to be mad, and you foolishly will pick up their madness, pick up their grievance, pick up their offense, and now you're mad about something that they're mad about. And in the end, and the final analysis, only Korak was going to benefit. They weren't going to get nothing out of the deal. So don't be that guy. There's a fascinating teaching from the Apostle John that I want to touch on. uh, Because at, at the personal level, there's three types of deceptions that we need to be aware of so we don't get ensnared. And if you'll turn over with me in your Bible to 1 John 2.16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these are not of the Father, they are of the world. Lust of the flesh, that's the passion. The lust of the eyes are the possessions And the pride of life is what really was getting at position. Korak wanted a position. I've had people tell lies about me so they could get my position. Why don't you just do what's right in the eyes of God and let God promote you? Instead of trying to put me down so you can summon. And you think God's going to honor that? Well, let me lie about Pastor Scott. So I can weasel my way. Yeah, you're a weasel. (laughs) All right, we won't go down uh, any further that road. Lust of the flesh or passion means a person who gratifies their physical or carnal desires at the cost of their commitment to Christ. Okay? Godliness, morality, what's right in the eyes of God suddenly takes second place to what I want. (laughs) It can be a sexual sin. It can be anger. It can be violence or abusive behavior. It can be some kind of addiction like a drug addiction. It can be consumed by uh, gambling or alcohol or food. Or social media. Or you just love to go on spending sprees and max out all your credit cards and put yourself into overwhelming debt to try to satisfy some kind of carnal need. 
Now, I'm not, no one in here fits this description, so say amen. <laughs> Don't get nervous on me. I'm trying to help you because uh, you're, you've already overcome this, so you're here to help others. We have to check ourselves from time to time, and when we court comes up, here's a good time to check ourselves. Do you or someone you know uh, have such a driving passion, such an insatiable craving to satisfy some kind of need that they be, they're obsessive? And you just get this creepy feeling, my gosh, man, why don't you let up? <laughs> Because they have the lust of the flesh. And that's working in their lives. And they might know it or they might not even realize how they're behaving. But you get the feeling, you know what? Have you ever stopped to think that you're obsessive about this thing? You need to let up, dude. And and calm down and check yourself with the Word of God. All right? God gave a list. All right? On these lusts of the flesh, this passion in Galatians 5, we won't get into the list. I don't want to uh, uh, have you leave feeling condemned. (laughs) Hey, I'm on the list three times! (laughs) But check, uh, uh, check Galatians 5 and see if there's a match in your life. And if there is, God, help get that thing out of my life in the name of Jesus. The second thing is the lust of the eyes. And that uh, is the possessions. You have passions, you have possessions. And these are external attractions that Satan uses to produce, or the flesh uses, to produce covetousness. This is when someone has an ungodly desire for something or someone. Ooh. Yeah, and that happens a lot, even in the church. Do you know that people in the church can present themselves as so warm and loving and kind? And then, why do, you know, I think God wants us to hook up and probably get married. And all the while, the real person is locked up in a closet somewhere, and you'll never know who that person is until you say, I do, and then you wish you said, I don't. (laughs) But uh, a person that's consumed with material things that are greedy, like... I don't like to be lectured, especially by television celebrities and news people, about my Christianity, and I, I don't have any compassion, and I find out that my, I make three times less than you, <laughs> but I give three times more than you to help the widows and the orphans. But I'm the bad guy. And my giving record compared to your giving record, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You only gave $1,800 and you make 200000 a year? And here again, we, you know, 
check yourself. Are you obsessively spending huge amount of time chasing after something and once you get it, you're off to the next chase? Because you're only being satisfied by what you're going after. And you're never contented with what you got. And you're never slowing down to the point to realize, you know what? I need to count my blessings and thank the Lord. And just, you know, there's nothing wrong with having vision and goal. But if you're so, if your family's falling apart, your marriage is falling apart, why don't we spend some time on that instead of chasing a raise or a career advancement? Hello. Did you know that many good Christian people are caught up in the rat race? Keeping up with the Joneses, the rat race? And that's a problem. Because even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. (laughs) That's not God developing in you what he wants to develop. Now, we don't want to use those things. Possessions aren't inherently wrong. But it's the love of things more than the love of God. Money isn't the root of all evil. The love of money more than the love of God. Prioritizing. So you have to always, do do you own things or do things own you? If you're not satisfied until you press buy now on Amazon every single day, morning and noon, get off that computer for a change and stop having Amazon pull up to your door every single day with another package. The third thing, the pride of life. It's connected to what appeals to your ego. It's a a vain spirit. Carly Simon, you're so vain. I think you think this song is about you. Everything's about you. There's a sense of self-importance, of superiority, of entitlement, haughtiness, arrogance. And uh, it puts you on a pedestal. And everyone else is beneath you. And so, how many of you know what the middle letter of pride is? I. Somebody has eye disease. And typically, someone with pride, does they're the last to know. They don't realize they have, but everyone around you gets these creepy feelings, and they don't know, man, why... Do you talk about anything but yourself? (laughs) Amen. But this is the power of deception. Pride, possessions, passions. Uh, And it's not limited to one individual being misled or one individual misleading another for their own benefit. Satan not only wants to destroy individuals, he's working to destroy nations. And he's using, like for instance in America, he's using cultural deception. And so he's raising up an army of non-spiritual, secular leaders who think they know what's best. And they think they know what's best by removing God. 
and his values and principles from the public marketplace. We can't have your discussion. You're canceled. All right, so uh, they're trying to overturn biblical, ethical, and moral standards and values all under the guise that it's going to make things better. Oh, yeah. A world without God is going to make things better? Watch Mad Max. (laughs) Right? And, And so how many of you see this? Right now, around the world, immorality is now being redefined as moral. These are our values. These immoral values are suddenly moral. Unrighteous behavior is now being reimagined as righteous. Sinfulness is being sanctified. And it's deception. Because half the country seems to believe ungodly, secular, humanist leaders have our best interests at heart. (laughs) In reality, they're seeking what Korah saw. They're seeking power. And they're seeking power and they can't... Uh, uh, they can't accept that there is a God, a creator, uh, uh, someone that is in charge of the universe because then someone would have more power than them. And that's not going to happen in their world. As the old saying goes, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So the Bible predicts all this, right? And especially it's predicted for the last days. You and I have to be aware. Did you know there's enemies of the gospel in positions of power and influence? These are not just, oh, poor people, blah, blah. No, these are enemies, sworn enemies of the gospel. They have made their deal with the devil And they have weaseled their way into positions of power. And they know how to talk the talk. And they know how to present what needs to be presented to get a whole nation to be duped into believing their way. And it's happening in America. We're being convinced on a daily basis that what is evil is good and what is good is evil. And if you don't accept our narrative and definition of it, we'll come after you. Americans, Christians in America, need to rise up and say, you know what? We're not going to lose our status as one nation under God. And if it means i got to pick up my game a little bit, I'm willing to pick up my game. Pick up your cross daily and follow me, Jesus said. Pick up your game and stop whining and crying about it. Don't be a disgruntled person. Say, I'm a victorious person in Christ. I am an overcomer. God has ordained me to be in this world for such a time as this. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to stand for morals. I'm going to stand for what's right in the eyes of God and no doubt. Devil's going to slow me down. Come on, somebody. The very first sign that Jesus cautions us to be aware of in the last days is in Matthew 24, 4, take heed that no man deceive you. 
And this word deceive is used to describe a spirit of delusion that will take over the world. Uh, It's a word that means to lead astray and to cause someone to wander off course. And it could be talking about an individual, or it could be talking about a nation or nations that will wander off course and be led astray into thinking what is good uh, is evil and what is evil is really good. In the last days, we all know this, that the spirit of the Antichrist is going to be working intensively to lead the world into mass deception, believing a lie, fake news. 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul warns the world will become so ensnared, they'll be controlled by a strong delusion. And we know that in the last days, uh, just like the birth pangs of not a birthing person, but the birth pangs of a mother, <laughs> you, you didn't, did you hear that they're trying to change uh, motherhood into birthing persons? You are, ladies, you are now a birthing person because we don't want to offend anybody. Well, you, how about you, you? What about the fact you're offending millions of mothers? <laughs> Because there's an agenda, right? And so these birth pangs will uh, build, and both Jesus and Paul warned against a beguiling spirit, a bewitching spirit that will seduce people into believing lies instead of the truth. I am with the government, and I'm here to make your life better. No, Jesus Christ is in my life to make my life better. Why don't you do less and I'm going to let Jesus do more? (laughs) And that doesn't mean that we don't care about the less fortunate. But it's not about the less fortunate, believe me. It's going to get so intense that people are even going to start denying common sense. People are even going to start denying the facts of life. Look, that's just nature. That's biology. I don't need to prove to you things by the Bible. Where's my biology book? This is a boy. This is a girl. (laughs) Don't try to confuse me with some made-up facts. The fact is, God created man and woman, male and female. He didn't create uh, 900 genders. You can't be Stephen on Tuesday and Susie on Thursday. It just doesn't work that way. But see, there's a delusion. There's deception at work. Just look at things going on. You can see deception at work. You can just, if you watch the news, hopefully you're prayed up. (laughs) Because otherwise you could just, oh man. (laughs) Now look, it can happen to an individual. It can happen in a nation or nations. And it can happen in the church. 
where deception in various forms will unsuspectingly uh, get people swept away. Uh, People are going to try to convince you that God's laws have changed. Well, what about the part where I am the Lord God and I change not? What about that? How do we weave that into this discussion? What about the part where I am the same yesterday, today, and forever? What about, how do we make all of that jointly fit together? Well, uh, you know, as the culture changes, our values need to change. Our values and our belief system isn't based on culture, it's based on the Bible. Say that real loud for those listening on the podcast. Timothy taught, That there's a time coming when people will no longer listen to sound, wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for people who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And they will reject the truth and chase after myths. We're seeing that happen. Um, The Holy Spirit inspired Timothy to warn the Christian community that there'll come a time when the church at large will not endure sound doctrine. Okay? That people are going to get to the point that I only want to hear what I want to hear. And if you try to challenge my belief system then uh, you're condemning me and I'm going to go find another church that more agrees with how I believe. It's not about how you believe. It's what God said. And then you get in line with what God says. That's how you guard yourself against deception. What did God say about that circumstance? God didn't give us the Bible so we could reimagine it. We don't need to reimagine the blood of the Lamb. Let's get that blood part of this thing out of here. That just seems so yucky. That yucky blood is what will save your soul. (laughs) Amen. We're not to conform with the world. We're to conform with the word and the will of God. Right? Sound doctrine means something that is wholesome and healthy. Why are people uh, not whole and unhealthy even in the church? Because they're living off of wrong doctrines. Jesus doesn't do miracles anymore. You can't expect God to heal you anymore. You're wrong to presume that you can be blessed and healed and prosper in the kingdom of God. You're to be poor and suffer. That's your lot in life. That's the doctrine of our denomination. Uh, Take it or leave it. And people are leaving it. (laughs) Probably for a good thing. But see, uh, not only are people going to lose their appetite to study the word, They're going to develop a distaste for it. All right? It's one thing, okay, I got lukewarm. It's another thing to start loathing it. People in church loathe. Why does that preacher always have to talk about Why doesn't the preacher talk about what I want him to talk about? (laughs) 
<laughs> Deception. It says that after their own lust, they will uh, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. That word lust is what we were talking about earlier, these carnal desires. It's not a spiritual thing, it's a carnal thing. Well, God doesn't really think that we uh, need to save ourselves for marriage. That's so old-fashioned. Hmm. Okay, so now you're uh, taking the place of God and trying to define what God wants. Uh, I get you. All right. An itching ear is used to describe a person or people who want to hear something new that validates their own existing opinions compared to what the Word of God says. And if there is some kind of confrontation there, God is wrong and my feelings are right. Deception, self-deceived. Amen. And then it says they'll turn their ears away from the truth. They'll develop this distaste. They'll just reject biblical standards. God really didn't mean it that way. And so, look, we could go on and on on this, but let me say this. Paul also prophesied that there's going to be a different group of people. A group of people who will rise up in the Spirit of God, in the boldness of the Holy Spirit, and they will be leaders that will speak back and push back against the darkness. And in Philippians 2.15, he calls them blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. There's nothing going on in their lives that they can be rebuked over. And uh, they'll be uh, raised up in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That's the group that we're involved. With You and I are being raised up in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation to be a light to the world. God's way is the better way. Those opinions of the worldly, non-spiritual, secular, carnal people, that is not the pathway that we want to walk down. We're making our choice. We're living for God. We believe the Bible. We're going to devote ourselves to growing and maturing in the things of God. Amen. Amen. And so, in spite of any cultural challenges, you and I, men and women like us, prayer warriors, filled with a love for God, filled with the Holy Ghost and power, we're going to be willing in these last days to proclaim the Bible as the whole truth and nothing but the truth. <laughs> Can you handle the truth? (laughs) And so this is how you guard yourself from being deceived. You spend regular time in the Word of God, right? You, You read books, Christian books. You listen to sermons, right? You, you tune into some podcasts and some TV shows that can build you up in your most holy faith to make you strong so when the wiles of the devil come around, you know the difference between what's real and what's counterfeit. Right? You know the difference between, you don't need, well, uh, on Sunday I'll ask the pastor. <laughs> 
Be inquisitive. Be uh, like the National Enquirer. Inquiring minds want to know what God says. (laughs) And then when some new idea comes along... Like, have you heard about the new uh, critical race theory doctrine that's come along? It's like, what happened to Dr. King's dream? Why are you dissing Dr. King's dream and trying to reduce everybody down to a skin color? If we, if we failed you along the way, let's get back up and try a little bit harder that we, and continue on the course that Dr. King started, that we don't judge people by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Who started the defund the police insanity? Please. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. No, the Ghostbusters aren't coming to help you. And what, what is this uprising with the LBGTQRST plus movement? I mean, it just keeps on coming. You mark my words, pedophilia is coming soon. Where they're going to want pedophiles that will prey on young children to be approved behavior. Mm, Makes me mad. These people are misleading the public. And they're pressuring people, pressuring people to accept that. They don't want to have a conversation. They want to, you will submit to what I uh, believe or you will be canceled or worse. And all the while, they have an agenda. <laughs> and just like Korik, the agenda isn't to make your life better. <laughs> the agenda is to make their life better. Because they want power. So they can boss you around and bully you around to their way of thinking. Sounds like the devil to me. Now look, we didn't get into all of this to get us scared. Right? God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but we need to open our eyes and see some things and prepare ourselves so we're not the next victim. You don't need to be the next victim of the next hoax. Each... Isn't it amazing how all the things that people swore and, you know, I swear on a stack of Bibles that this is true. And then uh, a, a year later, they find, oh, that was all a lie. That's happening with COVID right now. COVID is suddenly, because they, there wasn't a hidden agenda, they were trying to get everybody, and well, let's control it, because we got a plan. And now, as things start, they're still trying to suppress it, and the liars are still lying, but they're caught in their lie. But because, you know, these control centers uh, are controlled by the people that don't have your best interest in mind, you know, you got to dig and dig deep at times. Believers have to get to the point where we're basing our decisions, our views, our opinions, our beliefs on the Word of God. That's how we measure what's right or wrong. And in addition, if we're trying to guard ourselves against deception, start asking someone who's experienced and qualified in that area. Okay, 
You, you don't need to, uh, 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 you know, get advice from people that really don't know what they're talking about. All right? You need someone that has godly vision, godly experience. They've been around, you know what I mean? And they, they can give you sound advice and sound uh, direction for your life. So trust the Word of God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and get advice from experienced spiritual people, and you will guard yourself from deception. Amen? Amen. Let, let's pray. Hallelujah. Father God, thank you for the revelation of the word of God as the only truth and nothing but the truth. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that's inside of each of us that guides and directs us as to what is right and what is wrong for our lives. And Father, loosen upon us a spiritually discerning ear and eye to know what we should accept and what we should reject. Father, we declare together that we will never surrender our conviction that the word of God is true. And Father, we declare that we will not be part of the itching ear generation. And we will not be bullied into lowering our standards. And and we reject right now any work that's in the world in these last days that opposes the word of God. Father, together we declare our love for the Word of God. We declare our love for your guidelines and principles and commandments. And we will stand strong and we will be bold and confident that your Word and your will for our lives will be done. And we declare this in the name and by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen this morning and amen. If you receive that, give the Lord a big praise. Please.